0: Um, now, let's do a survey on the other end, and, and you really don't have to raise your hand at all. Uh, how many of you cannot remember the last time that you felt peaceful and that your life was calm and in order? Now, I, I recognize that that you don't have to have an orderly life in order to feel peace. Uh, some of you, you know, are just all over the place, and you're content with it, just I hope to goodness you don't live with somebody who needs, you know, some structure to your life, to, to his or her life. Actually, that's been one of the ways that Allison has helped me so much, because I'm one of these guys, you know, and she's one of these people, and it's been a great blessing to both of us to for our lives to merge and, you know, to, to find some kind of good place in the middle. So you don't have to have that, but I wonder how long it's been since you you felt calmness in your spirit with not only the belief that God is sovereign and He's in control of everything, but with the kind of belief in God that allows you to respond appropriately to stress, temptation, frustration, disappointment. Do you have those kinds of reserves? Or do you just go along Barely hanging on, and as far as everybody can see, everything is okay. And then all of a sudden, just one little thing happens, and you just go to pieces. And people say, Really? Over that? Well, it's not just over that, it's over the structure of your life as a whole. And it just takes a little bit to kind of tip you over. This morning, we're going to talk about Sabbath rest. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've no doubt heard people talking about keeping the Sabbath. So what's that about? What is keeping the Sabbath? Look, when I was a kid, you couldn't find a store that was open on Sunday. I mean, the whole world was Chick-fil-A. It's like, you know, you just walk out of church and it's Chick-fil-A everywhere. Closed on Sunday. But isn't the Sabbath really Saturday? I mean, is it Sunday anyway? February, as has been mentioned two or three times already, has been our month on mission. I I hope that you were as blessed as I was last week with the conference that we had on mission. Uh, For those of you who were able to attend the the Wild Game Banquet last night, you continued this month of mission. Last night was very much a part of our month on mission. 165 were in attendance, um, which... It smelled like a few more fish than that were fried here, but uh, this morning I walked in and I thought salmon patty. That's what I thought. I love salmon patty, so it wasn't really, you know, didn't bother me at all. But uh, 165, five men indicated on a card, I'd like to know more about this relationship with Jesus. Now, look, when five women do that, uh, oh, come on, it would have been 30 women that would have done that. Five men, oh boy, did I just get in trouble again? I mean, I, I just don't know how to live in the 21st century. My goodness. Five men, when five men say, I want to know more, they want to know more. Two men profess Christ as their Savior last night. That's a great, praise the Lord for doing that. For, for men who wouldn't typically feel comfortable. In church, unless they came in and they saw Leonard Sibley, then they'd say, yeah, man, well, it's, this is my kind of place. That beard down here, you know, he's, he's got it going on. It's been a great month, but it's been a really busy month. Uh, it's been quite difficult to find times to rest. And ultimately, mission suffers without rest. And that's as true for you as it is for me. If your relationship with God is the most important thing in your life, it's the most important feature of your life, if you would tell everybody, my relationship with God means more to me than anything else, then you are called to mission. And when you work a 40-plus, 40 40-hour-plus 40 job a week and there's just limited time after that, you're wanting to serve God, and so you get in there and do it, and you should serve God in spite of the 40 hours that you're doing something else. It's, it's, it's a great blessing to be able to, to, to give, believe me, way more than 40 hours most week. but, but, but for us who are in full-time ministry to, to, to focus on this all week long. When you're, you're studying for 18 credit hours of classes... You may be tempted to forego Sabbath rest in order to serve the Lord because that's what you want to do. Your heart cries out to serve the Lord. But think about it. You want your doctor operating on you when he hasn't slept in 24 to 30 hours? Do you want your pilot, the pilot on your plane to have worked 10 consecutive days without a day off. Look, you don't want a flight attendant who's had 10 days straight in a row. You... We need rest. I wonder why we think we can serve God well without rest, especially when He has prescribed rest in such dramatic and full and complete fashion. In our text this morning, Mark... Chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. We we find Jesus argue with, with the Pharisees about the Sabbath. Uh, look, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders hated Jesus for they didn't like anything about him. They hated everything about him. You know how it is when when you're frustrated with someone and then whatever they do makes you upset. Now we shouldn't be like that. Our We'll get to some of that kind of stuff next week. But but anything Jesus did, the Pharisees hated. But they had whittled down their reasons, their justification in their minds to kill him to two reasons. One, he claimed to be the Son of God. Nobody does that. I just, Aah! rip clothes, and pull out hair and kill the man. Two, because of his, what they considered his abuse of the Sabbath. Look, if he had never said, I am the Son of God, they would have wanted to kill him just because he said, the Sabbath isn't what you think it is. He didn't keep the Sabbath according to their law. Not according to God's law, but according to their law. We're going to look into the details of this debate in just a moment. But for now, let's let's stand together as we read our text. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Look, here's a question that just occurred to me. What were the the Pharisees doing out by the grain fields? You know, with... was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we acknowledge you as our Lord, our Lord and Savior. We acknowledge you as Lord over all creation and Lord over the Sabbath. And as we Think about this somewhat tricky topic. I pray that we will find your truth in just the way that you intended for us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks and be seated. Well, this particular interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees about the Sabbath was just one of many. Many, and um, it, you gotta you gotta understand, the Sabbath was one of the primary ways that the Jewish people were distinguished from from the Gentile nations, which was pretty much everybody else. The way that they kept the Sabbath was one of the significant marks of the Jewish people. The, that, that, that identified the Jewish people with God and his law. Now you, you've got to understand the Pharisees were constantly tinkering with the law. They were either making it stricter or they were making it looser. Almost always it, it, their changes or their additions or, or, or justifications of not following it just like God had written were, were done for their own benefit. It, it gave them at the very least great power over the people. And Jesus repeatedly pointed out the fact you're violating the spirit of the law. In fact, he said, look, you think the law says don't murder? If you hate somebody, you're guilty of murder. Really, this is a deep hatred now. Same thing with adultery and and and, um, and lust. This is drive across four lanes of traffic and if I would, if I could, I would kind of a lust. But he's saying, look, just because you you keep the letter of the law. You've missed the spirit of the law. You think that you can be free from sexual immorality and yet you can think and, and, and play with in your mind anything that you want to and you're okay. You've missed the whole point of the law. And very quickly, just I say it a lot, four purposes of the law to reveal the righteousness of God, to reveal the unrighteousness of man, to point us to Jesus and to maintain order man needs law because we're lawless and the law of god helps maintain order but primarily in the old testament law it was trying to point out those things that we're helpless apart from jesus and it's pointing us to jesus and now jesus is talking with them saying you think you know so much about the law you've missed it all together now you got to understand though the Sabbath was a part of the Jewish national identity. So when Jesus is attacking it, what are they thinking? Look, look, if we don't keep the Sabbath anymore in the very strict ways that we have determined that our people should keep them, then we lose our identity. No wonder they wanted that voice silenced. In this particular instance, the Pharisees sought to hold Jesus responsible when his disciples gathered food on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus reminded them of an instance in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 20 or 21, I think, 21, I believe it is, verses 1 through 6. Saul had, had said, I'm going to kill David. And so David was on the run and he went to Nob and there was a shrine there and, and, and the priest was Ahimelech. Abiathar was his son. The reason Abiathar is mentioned here is because after his father and all the priests in that area were slaughtered, somehow Abiathar got away and he brought with him the ephod, which was the symbol of God's uh, uh, favor moving from Saul to David. And so Abiathar is, is mentioned here. And David, uh, Jesus, excuse me, reminded them of this situation. And David walked in and there was some deceit involved. Now maybe there was a little wink, wink, nod, nod going on. Ahimelech ended up paying with his life for his help for David. He says, what's up? He said, the king has sent me on a very special mission and I need some help. I need food for my men. I need some weapons. He said, "Oh, we got the weapon wise is what Goliath, the sword that you used to cut Goliath's head off. It was his own sword. David said, I'll take that and I'll take the bread. And he said, well, okay, if the young men have kept themselves pure, sexually pure, then you can have the bread. And surely Ahimelech knew what was going on, and he thought that was going to be cover enough. But Saul came down and said, "You helped him," and he, and he killed him. So there was some level of deceit going on. It's one of the reasons that, you know, people say it's never wrong to, never right to do wrong in order to do right. I I agree with that for the most part. But man, Scripture, you know, has some instances where. There's something more going on. God's ways are just bigger than us. And we start trying to put everything in boxes. So Jesus is saying, don't you remember? And by the way, the Pharisees, they all approved very highly of that situation, you know, where Abiathar or Ahimelech had given David the bread. And it was apparently on a Sabbath. And so Jesus is saying, and you know that. You know that because the Pharisees had determined that this was done on a Sabbath day. And they were all about that. But here Jesus is allowing his disciples to pick corn and they say, you're breaking the law. In reminding the Pharisees of this particular moment in Israel's history, Jesus was saying, in essence, you're missing the whole point of the law. God did not make the, special, the Sabbath special and holy and force man to bow to it. God made the Sabbath, in fact, for the benefit of humankind. God made the Sabbath for man For men and women, not the other way. Men and women are blessed when they follow God's pattern of Sabbath rest. But when the law is your God, Jesus said, when the law is your God, you err and you err deeply. You don't believe this, but it doesn't change the truth. The son of man, Jesus used that term for himself. Daniel used it for the Messiah, the coming Messiah, and they knew exactly what he was saying. The Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath, Jesus might have said. I'm Lord over it. Don't teach me about the Sabbath. Well, that's the way we would say it. He didn't say it quite that way. Because we would say it in the flesh, you know. But Jesus just stated the truth. Wow. Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about three major benefits of Sabbath rest. And believe me, it could be 10 and it may well be 10 by the time we get to next Sunday. Uh, But this morning, we're going to think about what Sabbath rest is not and and what it is. If you'll take notes, there's a lot to contemplate this week, which is a good thing um, when you're thinking about the Sabbath and Sabbath rest. Uh, So also, I'm going to have some notes on uh, the city as well. First, let's, let's think about what Sabbath rest is not. And we start by acknowledging that it is not a New Testament command that must be obeyed. It is not a New Testament command that must be obeyed. There's nothing said in the New Testament about the importance of keeping a day as holy to the Lord. Does that surprise you? In fact... Paul is almost certainly referring to the Sabbath in Romans 14 when he said some people regard it as a day special to the Lord. Some people don't. Either way, it's okay. Now, again, he wouldn't use this phrase because uh, just of the what it implies when we use this phrase, but it's kind of like take it or leave it. You know, either way is okay. It's okay if you do. It's okay if you don't. Now, to blow your mind further possibly... He essentially said most of the time it's strong people who don't consider this day as very holy to the Lord and it's weak Christians who think that they must keep it in the ways that it was prescribed in the Old Testament with some adjustments here or there. Now this was from the Apostle Paul who had followed the letter of the Pharisaical law until he met Jesus. Now, saying that there's no command in the the New Testament about Sabbath, there, there is, to be sure, significant theological treatment of the Sabbath in Hebrews, but nothing about ceasing from all labor on a particular day dedicated to the Lord on which one just does next to nothing. Sunday, the first day of the week, has been understood all through church history with plenty of biblical support to be the Lord's day. Sabbath was Saturday, last day of the week, six days of work, rest. Sunday, we understand God's doing a new thing in this new covenant that He has has offered to mankind through Jesus. And, And so therefore, we meet together on the Lord's day. You know, you often hear on Sunday mornings, you didn't come here to to church. You came here to be the church. You are the church. That's true. But you did come here on Sunday morning because this pattern is well established in the New Testament that Sunday is the Lord's day. John talks about I was in prayer on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit in the book of Revelation on the Lord's day on Sunday. This is the Lord's day where people gather together to worship Him. But there is no New Testament command to keep the sabbath holy to the lord second sabbath rest is not a discipline that will make you more holy simply because you observe it this is the exact problem the pharisees had uh, they missed the dip benefit they totally missed the benefit of the sabbath because they were trying to earn brownie points with god by exerting incredible self control On the Sabbath, we are no more acceptable to God on the basis of our good works than they were. So be careful about any disciplines, any spiritual... And look, I'm a big fan of spiritual disciplines. When I am following spiritual disciplines, I'm close to the Lord. When I'm not, I, I struggle but be careful about saying anything is going to make me more holy or more acceptable to God. The last thing, Sabbath rest is not a day on which rest means to please yourself without any consideration for God. Since a particular day is not considered to be the Sabbath in these New Testament days, it may need to be be a day other than Sunday when you need your day of Sabbath rest. It has to be for me. I can assure you of that. Sunday is not a relaxing day for me. Whether I'm preaching or not, it's not a relaxing day. For me, it's its a very full day. So I've got to find some day other than Sunday. A day of Sabbath rest, however, is oftentimes Sunday for most believers because it's a day that ought to be focusing on worship, and and, and it's best if it's done in connection, in in Congress with other believers. It it will ideally include corporate worship with God's people, at least in small groups, so Sunday is best for most Christians. Uh, Many people benefit from, from a day or two off from their labor each week, whether they're followers of Christ or not. I mean, for the Christians, though, a day off uh, From labor, a day of ceasing from labor does not mean to be a day to where we're not bothered by God either. See, I usually take Monday off, or at least I try to. I'm usually doing some things that are work related on Monday. But for me, Monday is a day to just, you know, not think about whenever I can, not think about anything else and read secular, watch TV, you know, whatever. But if I'm really focusing on Sabbath rest, it's going to have to involve intentionality on my part, focusing on the Lord. That's what Sabbath rest is. It's not just ceasing from everything. It's focusing on the Lord as well. It's focusing on our relationship with our Creator. So that's what Sabbath rest is not. Let's think for a while a little bit about what Sabbath rest is. And we begin by saying that Sabbath rest is, first and foremost, found in Jesus. There's a rather complex argument in Hebrews, which is redundant, I know. Well, actually, that's redundant as well. Um, there's a complex argument about Sabbath, in, 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 about Sabbath rest in Hebrews. I hope we're going to examine the deep, rich truths of Hebrews in the next few years. But for the sake of this first point, let's just say that in Hebrews 4, we find that Sabbath rest is found in Jesus and it's an already not yet rest. Consider Hebrews, just consider Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. So then... There remains, in the future that is, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has already entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So if we have trusted Jesus as our Savior, we have already entered rest, but there's a rest yet to come that will be complete when, <clears throat> when God restores the creation, all of the universe, and men and women who have trusted in Jesus to the pre-fall condition, to the way it was before Adam and Eve sinned. One thing that is quite clear is that this rest has nothing to do with our Good works. It's a rest that God has given to us in Jesus. And listen, the whole point of Hebrews is this. Jesus is enough. Jesus, in fact, is the only thing you can count on for your salvation. It is not Jesus plus. It's not some of you come from backgrounds and maybe some of you already continue to struggle with this thought. Well, I know that Jesus saved me, but I've got to make sure that I stay in such a way that I follow the Lord and I obey his command so that I can be sure that I'm gonna be saved. No, no. See, that's what that was up what was up with the Hebrews. We we think about all these verses of warnings in Hebrews, and, and we think, wow, that's I better mind my, my peace and choose. No, no, he was talking to Jews who were tempted. The writer of Hebrews was talking to Jews who were tempted to say, I'm not sure that I can count on Jesus alone for my salvation. I better stay connected to the law. And he was saying if you connect to the law, it indicates that you never had what God provided for your salvation in the first place. And that is Jesus alone. And that makes a difference in the way that we live. When we have this freedom in Christ and this grace that God has bestowed on us, it causes us to live for Him in ways that are not possible when you're just focusing on keeping the law. That's why Sabbath rest must focus on Him, not on us. Second, Sabbath rest is the rhythm of life that God initiated at creation. Just think of how wonderful life would be if we all kept the Ten Commandments. Look, the Ten Commandments were, were, were put there for our benefit and they were set apart from all the other commands of God and the law. But this Sabbath was the only one that was not indicated in the New Testament to be binding in the same way that it was when God first gave the command. However, when he gave the command to keep the Sabbath holy, he said, look, don't you see I initiated this At creation, six days, then rest. Does God need to rest? No, of course not. He never rests. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. But therefore, therefore we can rest. Now, you may not believe this. Well, Daniel may believe it, but nobody else. God has graciously given us work to do. Just kidding, Daniel. I know you're a hard worker. God has graciously given us work to do. But He has also graciously provided us with rest that we might be replenished for more work that is meaningful. Adam and Eve worked before the fall. They were given a job to do. It's not like, okay, you've messed it up. Now go to work. No, God gave them work before the fall. But then he, got, he, he graciously gave them rest from their labors and he does the same thing to us. When we ignore the rhythm that God has established of work, rest, work, rest, we do so at our peril. Lots of experiments through the, through the years. And, and, and look, if you work shifts where you're 10 days on and then you're so long off, I would imagine that it's difficult to get fully connected with that rhythm of life. So much that we could say about this, but let's think next that the Sabbath rest is an opportunity to remember that this is his story and I'm blessed to be a part of it. Now that doesn't mean that my life is not important to God. He has done so much for me and he cares so much, so much about the details of my life. What a beautiful song uh, this morning that Laney sang. I, one of the sad things about not coming up right after the special is I don't get to talk about what a blessing the music was very often. That, was a, that song was a blessing to all of us, I think, knowing that God focuses His, His love and His care on me and that He is all that I need. It's also true, and this is also a blessing to realize that this is not my story. This is God's story. But he has graciously brought me into his story. Look, I've got, I've got medical tests going on this week. I had some things come up last week, and, and now they've, they've, I've got a bunch of stuff coming up, and month, March is a month of medical issues for me. And, and you know, in years gone by, I think I would have said, oh, oh, oh look, it's God's story. When I'm done here, which I don't think is any, in any close danger, By the way, there is a slight concern that at some point I had a stroke. I don't see any evidence of that. I don't see any evidence of that. I don't see any evidence (laughs) of that. Um, But if so, it's going to explain why I said the things that I said last Last Sunday morning. Because I had the stroke Saturday night, you see. Um, it's highly highly, highly unlikely. It is a great way for insurance not insurance company medical providers to you know play an extra round of golf or stay an extra day on vacation whatever uh, that 's okay, but you know what when 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 it is my story it's it's severe it and it concerns me severely all the things that happen to me it 's funny how trials and and pain eventually move you to the place. It'll move you in in one of several directions. Panic and and despair. Numbness to where you're just kind of like, okay. Or trust. And as we'll talk about next week, trust is always what God is looking for. Trust and obey. There's no other way. We don't obey properly without trust. Actually, we can obey without trust, but we never are going. No, let me just just scratch all of that. It's the stroke, you know. Trust is what God is looking for, and that will lead us to a proper obedience. If we obey rotely, his like the Pharisees did, we 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 don't ever get. If we don't, if we start with obedience, we never get around to trusting. That was that argument that Jesus was having. With the, with the Pharisees. If we trust appropriately, we will get to the right kind of obedience. This is God's story. In other words, I am not indispensable. I mean, come on, how often do we think we're, we're more knowledgeable than God about His work? Well, if I don't get this done, it's just not going to get done. Or at the very least, it's not going to get done properly. So I better do it. Or... How many times do you hear people say, oh, if just so-and-so would get saved? Think of how much he or she could do in the kingdom. God doesn't care. He doesn't look at things like that. In fact, he didn't choose so-and-so, he chose you. You're far more valuable in his eyes than a whole host of ways of getting Certain things accomplished, even if it means saving other people. He doesn't need... He's God. It's His story. So think about that the next time. Look, I used to say the same thing. Sad, isn't it, when you think about what John Denver could do, you know? That was back a long time ago. And I've mentioned him twice in these last few months, so I, I know. But the next time you start to think... Oh, if only so-and-so would get saved. Just let it go. This is God's story. It's not your story trying to figure it out how it's going to best be served. Well, what if our church, if we just had this resource or that resource? Just, just think. We are absolutely responsible to do our best, as David was talking about with the AV team, and they do a wonderful job here. But Sabbath rest reminds us that it's God's work being accomplished through us, not our story that we are writing with a nod to the heavens. One of the benefits of such an attitude is that we can learn to say no without guilt. How many of you struggle with saying no? Look, I know that some people say no way too frequently. But some of us rarely say no or only when there's no room on our schedule or when we end up in the hospital. That, that's when we say, that's when we say no. One of the reasons that we fail to say no is we're just not confident that God's work can be accomplished without our participation. I mean, just recently, heard people say, well, you're not going to get this done. Everything that can be done has, has already been done. And, and my immediate thought was, <laughs> well, I haven't done that yet. I haven't participated. I mean, that was the immediate thought. It was, it's fleshly, it's just sinful. To think, I have to do it if it's going to get done. I mean, think about it. Is it not stunning that the church has survived for 2,000 years without me? Is that not Shocking? probably it's going to go on well most of them are shocked peter maybe not you but was that peter who said who said no down here okay peter said it's it isn't though is it shocking that it's going on without us sabbath rest reminds us that the that the show goes on so maybe that is your fear that the show will go on without you look God called you to what you're doing. And as long as his plan includes you, he's going to have you there. So just relax. Can the work go on without me? Not just kingdom work, but Grace Community Church's mission and, and, and the salvation of my extended family members and you fill in the blank. Yes, the answer is yes. When you think about it, if we're fulfilling the mission that Jesus gave us to do, which is to make disciples, we're training people to do the very things we're doing now, right? Look, we, we, we're going to be talking about our church's core values in the, in the coming weeks. And one of our core values is team leadership. We try to model this every way possible, that it's not a one-man show. Look, our, our elders... Function as a team, there is no one dominant personality. Very strong personalities on our elder board. But nobody dominates. Nobody does. That needs to be true, not only of the elders, it needs to be true all the way through. Everybody needs... Am I the one preaching up here every week? No, of course not. We've got some very gifted people who fill in when I don't. Enormously gifted people. Should you be the only one who knows anything about what you're doing? No. When you, it's not against leadership. Leadership is required, but it is not a, a personality or strong-will-driven leadership for any ministry of our church. It's got to be team ministry if we're going to follow the Lord's design for doing ministry. Sabbath rest reminds us that we're not indispensable and the work will go on whether we're in the saddle or not. And when I fail to take time for Sabbath rest, I usually end up seeking to establish my identity in my accomplishments. Right? If if I'm not taking time for Sabbath rest, then I care deeply what everybody thinks about the job that I'm doing. And if you think I'm doing a good job, I'm on top of the world. If you think I'm doing a lousy job, oh my, I am in the depths. Sabbath rest frees us from that slavery. And, and while scripture places a high premium on hard work, we need, to res- we need to serve, we need to serve the Lord in response to what the triune God has done for us, not in order to win his acceptance or his approval or, or to somehow better our position in God's eyes or even worse, to better our position in the eyes of our brothers and sisters in crisis, which is which is what it always ends up being if we are finding our approval there instead of in the Lord's love for us. Sabbath rest reminds me that this is God's story. And in His unfathomable grace, I have been made a part of that story. Well, the last thought about what Sabbath rest is goes right along with the rest or this third point. Sabbath rest is a reminder that Jesus' mission for His church will be accomplished without my participation. But Sabbath rest replenishes my body, soul, and spirit for renewed focus on His mission. We've we've covered this first point quite thoroughly. And while it's important to recognize that I'm not indispensable, it is equally important to remember that God has called me to a particular task in His kingdom in this place in time. And one of the great blessings of Sabbath rest is That I'm able to respond to his call in full strength rather than just getting by on fumes. When I say that I operate at full strength, the idea is that focused attention on Jesus brings me to a place where I recognize that anything that I do has to be done in his strength, not my own. When I began this message, I had intended to take the second half of the time to talk about specific blessings and specific benefits of Sabbath rest. But it quickly became apparent that we'd need two weeks. We would need two weeks to address this most important subject. Just to give you a preview, next week we're going to talk about all repentance and humility at least. We're going to talk about how Sabbath rest helps us to be reminded that that we are to be in awe of God. And when we lose the awe of God, what are we doing, really? And second, it's going to talk about, we're going to talk about how Sabbath rest helps us to differentiate between godly sorrow that leads to repentance and the sorrow of the world that leads to death. Look, there are all kinds of ways to feel sorry about what you've done. But only one way leads to repentance and and, and joy. The other ways lead to feeling sorry for yourself, guilt-ridden, unable to do. No, Sabbath rest allows us to do that. And it also helps us to focus on Jesus who, though He spoke quite boldly as He did in our text this morning, always, Walked in humility. So Sabbath rest helps us to focus on Jesus. And when we do that, we become more like Him. We're going to talk about all of that next week. Psalm 131 verses 1 and 2 says this. O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. The psalmist's focus, of course, is on the Lord. So how long has it been since you last sat before the Lord with a calm, and quieted soul. How long has it been since you just lingered, lingered with the Lord?